Whether in your church family, you'll find the book of Genesis, chapter 32. We'll begin to read in verse number 22. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, the necessity of brokenness. The necessity of brokenness. Genesis 32, and we'll begin to read in verse 22. Won't you stand with me, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Genesis 32, begin to read in verse 22. The Bible says these words, And he, that's Jacob, arose that night and took his two wives and two female servants and eleven sons and crossed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, that man is Jesus Christ. This is a, this is a Christophany. This is a pre-New Testament appearance of Christ. So notice the capitalization and the emphasis as we go forward. Now, Jacob was left there, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, when he, that is the man, saw that he did not prevail against him, he, that's the man, touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he, this is Jesus, said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you, let you go unless you bless me. So he, Jesus, the Lord, said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob answered, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your spirit would speak to us today. God, I pray, would challenge us. God, it is true. You've promised in your word that you are here. You desire to touch hearts and lives. But God, help us to, to be aware this morning from this text. It doesn't matter, and it'll be of no benefit if we don't respond to it. And so I pray for those who you're calling to touch their hearts, to save them from the penalty of sin that is surely to come upon their life. God, we pray that they'll turn and respond to the work you want to do in them. We pray for those who aren't fully surrendered to your lordship this morning, that while you're calling and drawing and you want to touch them, it's, it's of no avail if they don't break themselves before you today in humility we pray for those that you're calling into deeper service today to deeper acts of uh, blessing that you want to do more in their life and through their life to reach a fallen world we pray they'll respond to the call today so remind us again you want to do something but we must respond to the invitation praise we come to that time whatever it is you desire to do in hearts and lives it will be accomplished as everyone humbles themselves broken before the call and will of God this day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Genesis chapter 12, remember that God established a covenant with Abraham. He said, I'll bless those that bless you, I'll curse those that curse you. And through you, all families of the world will be blessed. And this was really um, the first movement toward what God had promised uh, in, in the book of Genesis chapter Three in that first proto-evangelism passage where God promised that one day one would come who would bypass the sin nature of man and through him God would meet 
the greatest need we've ever had, and that's for our sins to be forgiven. And there along the way, remember in Genesis 17, verse 9, Sarah was promised that she would bear a son, and she did. God waited biologically till they were dead. Uh, they were still breathing, but part of their marriage that had once existed didn't exist anymore, and so God waited till that was gone to where he could get all the glory for Isaac coming into the world. And then Isaac would later marry in Genesis chapter 25. Rebecca gave birth to twins, Jacob and Esau. And you'll remember that Jacob came out trying to, to get a leg up from the very beginning. He was a supplanter. I heard a pastor say years ago he was so crooked when they buried him, they had to screw him into the ground uh, to get him in. That's the kind of man Jacob was in his early life. Jacob came out uh, always trying to put Jacob first. And so one day he sought to buy Esau's birthright because Esau was the firstborn. And it was through trickery that he was seeking to do that. God had a plan for Jacob's life. Don't miss that. It was God's desire to work through Jacob all along. And friend, you need to learn this. You don't have to scheme and twist to help God out. He doesn't need help. He just needs us to be available uh, for him to work through, and he'll get all the glory for what he desires to do. And you'll remember that he gave in to Rebecca's plan. Rebecca wanted to trick uh, Isaac before he died. And you'll remember how they, he went and killed a goat and put the skin on his arms and lied and said that he was Esau, and he tricked his father, and that's the last memories he's going to have of his mom and his dad is the trickery. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob gets sent to his uncle Laban because Esau's a man's man, and he is hot on his trail, and he wants to put some kind of hurt on Jacob. And so his mother sent him to her brothers. And there along the way as he went, he met with God at a place called Bethel, and God confirmed the covenant. Because remember, in the Old Testament, over and above the nation of Israel's failure and individual lives and their failure with God. Church family, it's always about the what? It's about the covenant. And so God is continuing to weave ever toward the time when in the fullness of time Christ would come. You know, Jacob really had a chance right then to repent of all of his supplanting, his trickery, and really live a life that was surrendered to God's lordship, to go on to Laban and just to follow the Lord. But while he was there, just a series of misfortunes. And instead of leaving with one wife, our text shows us that he left with two wives. And don't you get any ideas? If you take care of the one you've got, you're doing well. And so he had two, and he had two female servants and 11 sons now. And he's, he's leaving Laban. Uh, this was his uncle at God's direction. All this to set up. And so as he's departing, his wife steals some things from her dad. And so Laban's chasing him. He wants to, to get even. He wants these little house gods back. And then he finds out that Esau's on the other side. So Jacob's in a bad place. You see, Jacob wouldn't break himself. He wouldn't humble himself before the Lord. And so God's going to humble him. And so here he comes to a place in Genesis chapter 32 that he finds out in verse 7 that Esau's coming to meet him. And verse 7 says, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And friend, he had every right to be because Esau had 400 men with him. And again, he was a man's man. Then all of a sudden, like most backslid Baptists, um, with half a heart, he begins to repent and to call out to God. 
She didn't want God to be Lord of his life until he got in a pinch. And then he wanted on the old prayer list. You know, Jacob would have called the church office. We hadn't seen him in months, hadn't served, just been living for Jacob. But all of a sudden, you know, he wants Peggy to send out a one call and get the whole church praying um, because Esau's in front of him. Has no, has no desire to surrender his life to Christ. He just wants out of the pinch. And look at verse number 10. He begins to cry out, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you've shown your servant. For I crossed over Jordan this with my staff, and now I've become two companies. That is... Uh, he, you know, and, and, and what a great leader. You know, he puts his wife and his children out in front of Esau um, so, you know, they can be a cover for his escape. Uh, but he, he begins to, to share all these things, you know, just through his mouth that he didn't really mean with all of his heart. I'm, I'm not worthy of the least of all of your mercies. Well, it was about time he realized that. And friend, we need to be reminded of that. Neither are we. We're not worthy of one ounce of mercy that God has showed toward us or any of the grace and goodness, but in spite of that, it is grace, and he does give us those things. And so now God gets Jacob to a place he can deal with him. Don't miss this. Jacob's going to be left alone. Everything that Jacob could ever escape into now is gone. God has hemmed him up. And he's going to break him if he'll become broken. You see, a lot of times, you know, when things break, they're not usable to us anymore. Unless you're just, you know, some kind of collector of junk and a hoarder. And the more I pastor, I learn how many people are. Wives don't look at your husbands. Husbands don't look at your wives. But there are a lot of hoarders. People just hoard junk. It just sits there for years. And can I just give you a good encouragement? You know, if you love your children before you die, get rid of all of that. So they don't have to do it after you're gone. But when things break, we just take them to the dump. Because we can't use them anymore. Hear me this morning. God can't use you until you are broken. If you walk in your self-sufficiency and you really think, and that's what Jacob did. He thought he was really something. He was just figuring all these things out at Laban's camp. You know, and he's, he's been called by God. But he wasn't fully surrendered to God. He wasn't broken before God. Listen what Psalm 51 verses 16 through 17 says. It says, God, you don't desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not desire or delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Well, let's, let's bring that into our context where we are here this morning. For, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I've God, you don't, you don't really care, you know, how heartfelt I sing a hymn this morning, how high I raise my hand. You really don't care about what goes in the offertory, often offering plate when we pass it to receive an offering. You don't care about any of those things. You, you don't delight in uh, all of the things that are attached to ministry unless first this takes place. Listen to verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. Friend, I don't care how much ability you have. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. And you're not available for God to use if you're not broken before God and you realize honestly and fully you're nothing without God. Unless John 15, 5 is a real reality in your life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. 
And if, if that really isn't a, an embraced and a lived out truth, you'll never experience the power of God. So there's the necessity of brokenness. God only works through people who are broken. I want you to notice four things in Jacob's life this morning concerning the necessity of brokenness. First off, notice Jacob's solitude, his solitude. Again, verse number 24 says, Then Jacob was left alone. Now he can't escape into another's heart. He can't escape into Rebekah. Uh, he can't escape into his other wife or to the two female servants or any of his 11 kids. He, he, can't, he can't go work on Laban's farm. God's got him hemmed up. He wouldn't, he wouldn't in a time of peace listen to the voice and call of God. So now God's had to get him to a place and drive him to his knees that he, that he will listen. Now there's, now there's no distraction to keep him from the voice of God. You know, relationships can be wonderful things in our lives. They can benefit us. They can help us. We can be a benefit to other people. But, friend, they can be a distraction sometimes also from hearing the voice of God. Our relationships can keep you from hearing and spending time with God and hearing what He wants to say. There are things in and of themselves in our lives that can be good uh, when they're in the right place. Things that have really no eternal value whatsoever. Outdoor activities, sports, um, you know, spending time with your family, not just an individual relationship. All these things can be good things in and of themselves. But if they keep you from the best things, then they're not good for you. And you, these things can keep you so busy. I've heard that so many times in my life. I've talked to, to disciples and believers. Do you, do you have a time set aside for God every morning to have a quality, quiet time with the Lord? Well, Brother Chad, I, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Friend, if you're too busy to spend time with God before the day begins, you're too busy. Well, well brother, what about service? Are you serving in your local church? Well, I'm just, we're just so, we're covered up right now. Then you're too covered up. You need to, to start jettisoning the things that really don't matter and are, are no spiritual importance in your, in your life. Good things can become a distraction, and many refuse a quiet time. Many refuse Sunday school. They don't just become distracted. They just outright refuse. I'm not going to a Bible study class. Uh, I'm sure not going to have a quiet time. I'm not going to listen to sound biblical preaching on the radio when I travel back and forth in you know, my, my windshield time. And I, you know, really, I just, I just try to, to, to zone out during preaching. I'll tell you why you do that. Because you don't want to hear from God. When you're confronted with the Word of God, friend, you're hearing from God. He's the one that's speaking to you. And many people don't want to involve themselves in that because they don't want to hear God or hear His voice. You must get alone with God to seek His face. Our Lord modeled that. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35, the Bible says, In the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Friend, can I ask you a question this morning? Look at me. If it was important to the Son of God to get alone in a place early in the morning to spend time with God and pray, shouldn't it be more important to you and I? Huh? And our Lord modeled that. He, he had to have that time with the Father. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, during a very 
turbulent time in Israel's history during the 722 B.C. judgment in the northern kingdom. Isaiah had a vision of God in Isaiah chapter 6. And in verse number 5, he declared after his experience, he says, My eyes have seen the king. My friend, that's what we need every day and throughout the day. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Or Luke 9, 23 will not be a reality in your life. See, when you have your eyes on the king, when your eyes are on his word, you not only see Jesus, but you hear from Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. And that's not just saving faith. That's sanctifying faith also. You can't continue to be more like Jesus Christ. Hear me this morning. If you don't hear from God, and you're not going to hear from God in music alone, so, well, I just like my tunes. Friend, tunes are great if they're based on Scripture, but you need to have your eyes engaged with the written Word of God. You hear me this morning. There is zero after. We're in a world of substitutes, right? I put this substitute, natural-based sugar, on my oatmeal of the morning. And then there's substitute we put in our tea and substitute you put in all different kinds of food to try to keep the natural stuff that makes you fat out so you can put the chemicals in that they say will give you cancer. Who knows? But there's substitutes for everything. There's no substitute for the Word of God. There's none. Absolute zero substitute for God's written Word. And you've got to get alone with the Word of God so you can hear the Word of God. James 1.22 says that the purpose of hearing is so that we can do. And the more that we do, the more we stay broken and dependent and therefore can be used by God. You hear me today, friend? If you won't get alone with God, listen to me, God will get you alone with Him. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. That might be, and I've heard it from testimonies of many brothers and sisters in Christ, it might be, friend, that you're hemmed up without a job. You're just, my job's got me so busy. Well, God might take your job away. Well, the grandchildren just keep us so busy. God might take your grandchildren away. So I've just, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't just ever, my, I'm just so busy. God might put you in the hospital bed, friend. I'm not trying to scare you this morning, friend. I'm just telling you, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And you'll remember that when Absalom sent to Joab and asked him to come and Joab refused, Absalom set on fire what was dearest to Joab, and that was his barley field. And friend, I'm telling you, a God who loves you to get you where you need to be will set the dearest thing on to you on fire to get your attention. So it's a good word of encouragement this morning. And I know you won't find this on any page of Live Every Day Like It's Friday that Joel Osteen wrote, but I'm telling you, friend, it's in the Word of God. Don't make God drive you to your knees to get alone with him. Notice Jacob's solitude. But not only that, there was Jacob's struggle. Oh, the love and the grace of God. Look at verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and there a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. This is a Christophany, and I love Christophanies. I love finding Jesus on all the pages of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament when the angel of the Lord appears. And so here, while Jacob's wringing his hands, worrying what he's going to do, he knows he can't go backwards because Laban's there and he's going to kill him. If he goes forward, he's going to find Esau. God's got him hemmed up. And so here the Lord comes to him in a way to deal with him personally. And they begin 
to wrestle. Why? Because Jacob, he still hasn't surrendered. Even after he's in this crunch, he's hoping some way he can squirt out in the corner like water and make it out of this and just keep being Lord of his own life. And I wonder how many are like that that are here this morning. Here Jacob is, he's, he's wrestling with the Lord. Now I wonder who's come here this morning and you're doing the same thing. You're struggling with God. You've never been saved. And Sunday after Sunday, you hear the Word of God preached, invitations are given, and you just struggle with God. I, well, I'm, all the reasons, friend, you can give, but it comes down to this. You won't surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as you repent of your sin. You're just, you're, you're just struggling. And, and it, it may be in sanctification. There's some part of your life that you've taken back over. And God deals with you over and over. You're miserable about it. And you try to find peace in this, and you try to find peace in that, but you never find it. Friend, if you really belong to the Lord, you're never going to be at peace if you've got unrepented sin in your life. And you hear me this morning, listen, on the authority of God's Word, if you can sin successfully and not feel chastening from God, listen to me, you've never been saved. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens as a son. God's going to deal with you. And so God's going to own all of you, friend. He will not settle with 99, 98, 97, any percentage. God never comes second. He never comes second. So someone's struggling. Someone might be struggling with service. You know, we, we threw a call out to the church to, to surrender to service, it uh, in, in, in being a listener in Awana. Um, we, we, we set out a call for a while to, to, to have prayer warriors. Go to the back and just pray as we preach each one. We're not asking you to pray out loud, um, to, to report on what you pray. We're not going to put a microphone. We're not going to put it on the radio. Just you and a prayer partner to go to the back. And we really only ended up with about the same five or six people every week. I would ask for volunteers every Wednesday night, and people just kind of look over in the corner. And I'm telling you, friend, if you're saved, you can go back there with your spouse, one of your good friends or your girlfriend, and you can pray for 30 minutes. You can do that. And Brother Hunter's decided to take over that ministry. And so if you'd be willing to do that, see him after church so we can work up a schedule just like Sunday morning, Sunday night, our security ministry that we appreciate. And he'll try to coordinate that uh, because a lot of people are being missed and having that opportunity because they're serving on Wednesday nights in the part of the church. So you see Hunter about that. But if God's calling you to service and you're not serving, friend, he's going to deal with you because you were saved to serve. Not to sit and soak. God wants to do something through your life. And so the love of God that he didn't give up on Jacob. And can I say, friend, the love of God that he didn't give up on me. I'm telling you, one of the hardest things to live with, friend, that the devil wants to throw in your face, and I wonder if I'm the only one here that's like that, is the terror of wasted years. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Wasted years you wish you could get back that didn't really belong to the Lord. If you're here this morning, friend, don't continue one more day. The, the love of God that he, he never gave up on Jacob. And all night long, the Lord wrestled with Jacob. And I mean, friend, they were going at it. God's long-suffering. It's part of His essence. It's part of His nature. My friend, don't mistake God's patience for permissiveness. Thank God that He is long-suffering. Exodus chapter 34 
And verse number 6, God revealed Himself and the Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God merciful and gracious, listen, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. He shared that with Moses concerning Himself. The long-suffering nature of the Lord to, to call us and to draw us. But He finally comes to a place, friend, where He's going to have to make a decision. But see, Jacob always sought to be Lord. But God won't accept second place. Jacob had always called the shots. And he just continued to wrestle with the Lord. God, listen, God's trying to wrestle him into submission. He's trying to get him to place that he's going to be first place in his life. And I wonder who this morning here, you feel like that. You, you just, you've got a burden. You feel so anxious. You're just trying to figure out what's going on. Friend, listen, look at me. Be honest. You know what it is. If you've never been saved, it's because you're not saved. And you're never going to find peace that passes all understanding until you give your life to Jesus Christ. And as a believer, if Christ doesn't own every area of your life, you've changed the locks on some of the rooms in your house. You're never going to find peace. You can blame it on me. You can blame it on the church. You can blame it on your spouse. Blame it on the job. Blame it on the president. You can blame it on all kinds of things. But nothing's going to change until you deal with it. It's nobody's fault but yours. It's nobody's fault but Jacob's. And so here he just continues to wrestle. But look what happens in verse 125. When he, the Lord, saw that he, the Lord, did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and Jacob's hip was out of joint. He saw, he touched, and then notice what he said. He said in verse number 26, Let me go for the day breaks. He said, Jacob, you want to be Lord of your life? Be it. He saw that Jacob wasn't responding. And so he touched him. Just touched the corner of his head. Now I want to tell you something, friend. That's some kind of wrestling move right there. That was better than a spinning toe hold or anything. I mean, he just, he touched his hip. Bam! His hip was out of joint. That was the power of God. Now all of Jacob's strength is gone. Listen. See, Jacob had been living in his own strength. He could scheme. He could run. He could outrun anybody. Wouldn't stand fight, but he was a good runner. Well, now that's gone. Now all the strength that he was living out of, it's completely gone. And it brings him to a place that he realizes he's nothing without God on his life. But then he hears the worst thing. You won't respond let me go. Just let me go. But I want you to notice a couple things. Number one, God could have gotten away any time that he wanted to. The Lord could have... Friend, the love of God that he kept fooling with him. And he didn't give up on Jacob. But Jacob won't respond, friend. And now all of his pride is gone. He's at God's mercy. He has no strength to escape. But hear me this morning. Don't make God drive you to your knees to get your attention. You've heard so many different people, I'm sure, and I hope you've never said, well, God will never put on you more than you can bear. The Bible says so. Well, I don't know what Bible you've been reading out of. That's not in the one that he wrote. Friend, God put more on Jacob than Jacob could bear to bring him to a place that he realized he couldn't make it without God in his life. But don't make God do that to you. 
Don't be hard-headed. Don't be stiff-necked. You used to burn me up when my kids were little and you're trying to push them somewhere. Do that stiffening. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Woo! Set me on fire, that stiffening up. Don't be that way with the Lord. Don't stiffen yourself against God. Friend, listen, when God is trying to direct you, it's not to something that's going to hurt you, but something that's going to help you. He's directing you towards His best. But if you won't respond to God, friend, if you've never been saved, God will give you over to your choice. Now, I want you to hear me. You're going to bow your knee to Him one day. You'll either do it now and trust Him to be Lord of your life, or you'll do it at a great white throne as you're cast into hell. But you will bow your knee. As a believer... You can keep going in the direction that you're going and just harden yourself against God. And it may be, friend, that God just gives you over to what it is you desire. And friend, I'm telling you, the worst judgment that God can send on a believer is to give you what you want. It's to give you what you want. It may be that He just has to drive you to your knees and you lose everything for you to get the picture. But there's no question, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says... Everybody's going to bow their knee and proclaim to the glory of God what we've always known, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The question is when you do it. And don't wait too long. Now Jacob's, he's really in a pickle because he will not humble himself before the Lord. I want to remind you the words of our Lord, Matthew chapter 5, 5. Blessed are the meek. Literally, that means the mastered. There's power under control. Meekness is not weakness. My grandmother was meek, but she sure wasn't weak. My mamaw could get your attention in a second. One of the meekest women I've ever known. Meekness is mastery. It's power under the control of another. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jacob's got to come to a place that he's mastered by the Lord. So notice the solitude, the struggle. Third now, notice Jacob's surrender. Look at verse 26 again. So he, the Lord, says, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now he realizes, friend, he is nothing. It's sad it had to come to that. Now, I've talked with people before. Friend, I'm telling you in ministry. I've talked with people in, in hospital beds before. Say, Brother Chad, God did this to get my attention. He said, I'm sad it took cancer for me to see this. I've heard individuals say before, I'm sorry I had to lose my spouse for God to get my attention that I really needed to be saved. I'm not making these things up and more people could stand and give testimony here this morning. That whom the Lord loves, friend, He will chasten. If it takes jerking your chain and ringing your bell to get your attention, that's what your heavenly Father will do. And now Jacob's chain has been jerked. He has no strength and he's hip now. He can't, he can't walk. Don't mistake God's patience for permissiveness. The Lord says to him, you, you want to face life in your wisdom? Go ahead. How's it worked out for you so far? Your father-in-law wants to kill you. Your brother's here to kill you. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? 
She said, that's what you want? Let me go for the day breaks. And so now it's decision time. Jacob has to make a choice. Keep living for me or surrender my life to Christ. And Jacob grabbed hold. He made the only decision that God accepts. Now there's humility. Listen to that. He says, I will not let go unless you bless me. He says, don't, don't leave me. I can't make it without you. I won't let go unless you bless and direct my life. Now he knows there's no hope without God. In verse number 27, I love questions like this in the Bible. So he, the Lord, said to him, what is your name? Well, friend, don't you think God knew his name? He knows everything. What's your name? Jacob needed to stop and think about what Jacob meant. It meant supplanter, trickster. And he lived it to the fullest. What is your name? That's what it had been. And he had earned that reputation. He needed to reflect on what brought him to that place. And so now he's at a place spiritually, listen, where God can begin to mold him. Don't miss that. God broke him physically that he could remake him spiritually. Didn't have to come to that place, but it did. See, Jacob wouldn't break himself before God, so God had to break him. And now he's broken spiritually. And now God can take what is broken and remake it into a masterpiece. You ought to write beside verse number 27, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 4 through 6. Listen to what Jeremiah says as God sent him down to to the potter's house. And he went down and saw something that the potter was making on the wheel. Verse 4 says, And the vessel that he made of clay, it became marred in the hands of the potter. That is, it it slumped over. It became deformed. So it's, it's useless. So the potter made it again into another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make. Potter didn't put his ear down to the clay and say, Now what do you want me to do? What do you want to become? Pitcher, jar, vase? What? Plate? He didn't ask him. It wasn't up to the clay, it was up to the potter to make the clay into what he willed for the clay to be. And listen to what verse 6 says. God says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Hear me this morning, friend. God wants you daily, not just once, But daily, God wants you to remain, and you must remain in the state, Psalm 51, of constant brokenness so God can continue to mold and shape you into the person and the masterpiece that He wants you to be. And He's never going to be completed with you. You're never coming off the wheel till you draw your last breath. God's always going to be working in your life. He has something that He desires to do. James chapter 4 And verse number 10 in the text that we looked at uh, last Sunday night, James challenges and says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He'll lift you up. When you become broken and humble before God, God will lift you up and make you into the disciple, hear me this morning, and the instrument that He desires to use for His namesake and the advancement of His kingdom. So there was His solitude, there was his struggle, there was his surrender. Fourth, and I close this morning, notice Jacob's surprise. 
verse 28 says, and he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Now, it's going to take a long time for you to convince Laban you're somebody different. Friend, I want you to hear me this morning. When you get saved, you become a new creature in Jesus Christ. But you've still got a name you've got to live down. You've still got a name. And it's going to take a long time. And I want to encourage you as a disciple, you hear me this morning, if you lose your testimony, you may never live long enough to get it back. Your name, friend, who you are in Jesus Christ, is one of the most precious things that you have on this earth. And if you lose it, it may take a lifetime. Esau, he's not just going to go across the brook now. And he's going, oh, you got saved. Well, everything's different now. No, he's still Jacob. But listen to what God says. As far as I'm concerned, he said, verse number 28, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Not that he choked God down into doing what he wanted God to do for him. And that's what a lot of people use the prayer list for. People out of God's will, not living for the Lord. Something happens to them in their sickness or you know, physical sickness. They won't on the prayer list. I've asked this before, but hear me this morning and ask people this. Who ask you to pray for them and you know they're not living for God. Why would God heal you just so you can keep living for the devil? Why would he do that? Someone shows no concern, no desire, no heart for Jesus Christ. But they want their gizzard touched so they can get the health back they want to keep living for the world. Why would God do that? Now, I'll tell you something, friend. When you tell somebody that, you better seize the moment to talk about what the real need is in their life. And it's not to get their physical health back, but to get spiritual health or a right relationship back in their spiritual health. And so he says, you're not going to be Jacob anymore because you've yielded to me. Your name will be Israel. And friend, that's a real promise. I'm telling you, friend, you hear me today. You can get a testimony. You can show a lost world you're not that person who you need to be. And listen, you can tell them, but they're going to be watching more than anything. See, Esau's going to be watching. Laban's going to be watching. His wives are going to be watching. Those 11 kids, they're going to be watching. Now, parents, I tell you all the time, it matters less what you do here at the church and when you step out of, the, of your car in the parking lot. It matters a whole lot more what you do on the way home and once you get there because that's the real you. That's the real you. And your kids and your grandkids, they're watching. They're listening. And if the pattern of your life doesn't match up with the words coming out of your mouth, you're a joke. Go ask Lot. Book of Hebrews, if, if the New Testament didn't tell us that Lot was saved, we'd, we would even wonder. But God's sending judgment down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And all of a sudden, Lot tries to keep spiritual with his son-in-laws and says, Hey, we've got to repent and we've got to get out of here. And you know what his family did? They laughed at him. They laughed and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He moved to Sodom and now he's a leader in Sodom. He's sitting at the gate when God's ambassadors come to bring judgment. 
But you can have a testimony if it's authentic. One of the greatest things that God will ever give you. So God changed His name. And now He has the power of God resting on His life. He has power with man. That is, He has favor. He has God's favor to accomplish what it is that God wants to accomplish through him. And so now Jacob has an unhindered relationship with God to give him the ability to succeed in all of God's calling. And you hear me this morning. If you just took a breath within the last five seconds, the same power is available to you. It's available to you. You can be the husband or wife God wants you to be. You can be the son or daughter. You can be the employee. You can be the servant. It's not about your ability, it's about your availability. Making yourself broken before God where He can build you up in the disciple He wants you to be to shape every single part of your life, to lead it, to guide it, and to work through it. But you hear me this morning. If you own the keys, if you own the keys to the lock of any part of your life and you've not given them to God, God will not use you. And you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. God still worked through Jacob. Eleven sons came. One more is going to come. His wife's going to lose her life giving birth to Benjamin. God still partially. But the fullness that God could have worked through would never have been there if Jacob hadn't humbled himself before the Lord. I close with this this morning. Listen to me. It didn't have to come to that point. It did not have to come to that point. God had to break Jacob physically to make him walk right spiritually. And that's a sad thing, friend, for God to bring you to that place. Jacob had to realize that he was nothing without God. But notice this encouragement. Look at verse number 31. Look at your Bibles. He makes a great declaration that helps us to see this really was a Christophany. He says, I, I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. Just as he crossed over to Nile, the sun rose on him. And notice these words. And he limped on his hip. He walked out differently than he came in. My friend, when you truly come into the presence of God and in humility... You humble yourself before God. You'll walk out different than you came. I wonder this morning, everybody look at me. Look at me. I wonder who walked in here this morning lost. And you've already made your mind up that's the way you're going to walk out. God let you do it. But you don't have to. See, Jacob walked in, friend, just like a healthy, normal walking man. But he, but he left limping on his lip because God touched him. He never walked the same again. If you'll humble yourself before the Lord today, repent of your sin, trust Him to be Lord of your life, I'm telling you, friend, you'll walk out of here different than you came. You'll be a new creature in Jesus Christ. You'll be different. I wonder who, who God's calling about sanctification, not salvation. You've been saved. But you're not fully sanctified, fully set apart for the Lord's use. But one of your favorite words is this, but. Well, I know I need to serve the Lord, but. I know I've got to, I know I need to be witnessing and living on mission every day, but. Moms and dads, I know we need to be having a quiet time with our children of the evening and us teaching them the Word of God and us praying together as a family, but. Always a but. 
I wonder how many here this morning you're not fully sanctified. You walked in that way. God's showing it to you. He's here. He's in our midst. He's speaking to you. His Spirit is. He's challenging you. But you're going to walk out the same way you came. How sad. Humble yourself before the Lord today and walk out differently. Leave fully surrendered. I wonder who God's calling to service. I might be calling some man to preach. Calling the family to be a missionary in a foreign country or local. He's calling you to teach a Sunday school class. It could be something just smaller. You and your wife to volunteer to, to go back and to pray for us while we're here under the preached word. Once every two months. I wonder who God's calling to do that. You walked in here unwilling, whatever it is the calling is, you're going to leave unwilling unless you humble yourself and you'll walk out differently. You'll walk out differently. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 4, says these words. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes his trust in the Lord. Friend, that can be your song as you leave here today. You came in broken in the miry clay, empowering your own life. But if you'll humble yourself before the Lord today, my friend, he will lift you up, put a new song in your mouth, give you a new direction. He will establish your goings. And I'm telling you, friend, he'll give you a testimony before a fallen world, and God will use you. But it all depends on this one thing. Listen to me. Whether you'll be broken spiritually before God so he can use you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, if you know you need to be saved, don't waste this opportunity. God loves you. Christ died for you. But he will not force you to choose him to be Lord of your life. Would you not just humble yourself right now? Would you not grab hold like Jacob did and tell the Lord right now, I will not let go unless you save me. And the simple prayer of faith, just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner. Your word says I am. I confess it. I turn from all my sin. I believe Jesus died for me, rose again. And I trust him just like Jacob did many years ago to be Lord of my life. I trust in Christ to be Lord of my life. Now take me, mold me, make me from the broken state I'm in to the man or woman you want me to be. Did you pray that? Do you mean it? I'm going to stand here at the front in just a moment they begin to sing. Step out into one of these aisles and make your way forward so I can encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Are you fully sanctified this morning, child of God? I mean, does every room in your spiritual life belong to Jesus Christ? No? Then give them to Him. Surrender afresh and anew. Break yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord today. He'll lift you up. It's a choice you've got to make. What's God calling you to do? But you keep kicking against the goad just like Paul did. Humble yourself before that call this morning. And my friend, he'll take you and do great and mighty things through you and your family. 
Oh, Father, I pray, whatever you're calling us to do, speak it clearly, speak it loudly. God, thank you for being long-suffering. Don't quit. Continue to call. Continue to draw. But God, I pray men and women today won't leave this way the way they came in, but will leave different because we can say that the Lord touched us. Bless this invitation. Your will be done. It's in Christ's name we humbly pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.